Welcome everyone. This is Coaching in Session. My name is Michael Reardon and I will be your Mindset Coach today. And today we're going to be talking about mindfulness, creating awareness, being present in all aspects of your life. Because if we know what's going on in the world, we have a lack. We have a need to be present, to be aware, to understand what's going around because we are going to be inundated by this and that. And there's going to be so many things that overwhelm us every single day. Do you wake up in a positive mood, ready to tackle the day? Or do you find yourself just bogged down and you have a hard time getting out of bed? Because it might not be your purpose. It might not be that you didn't find the thing that lights you up. It might not be that you didn't find the things that you love to do. We all have those things. We all have those passions. Yet we can have things that stop us, things that are going to put our mind in a different realm. And that realm is not a realm of action. It's going to be a realm of maybe insecurity and a realm of inaction. We need to learn how to understand that our circumstances doesn't have to be our circumstance and our life doesn't have to be what our life is. We can create something even more. And today I'm going to be bringing on Brett Hill, who's going to be helping us understand what mindfulness is. And today he's going to be doing it in a special way because it's not only about helping you, the listener, but to also be helping the coaches that come on here in coaching a session to make sure that they have the best mindset possible, that they're more mindful and aware and present. So when they work with you, they're ready and they're willing and they're able to help you understand that mindfulness is going to be the key to all the growth that's possible in your life. So let's get into that interview with Brett Hill and myself. Welcome, Brett Hill, to Coaching in Session. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on today. I have you on as a mindfulness coach and coach trainer. Coaches need coaches too. So I want people to realize that coaches just don't wake up one day and are amazing, right? We need guidance. We need mentors. (laughs) We need people who are going to facilitate our growth too. Yes, we help people as coaches, but then of course, a coach also should have a coach. And that is exactly what you do. You help other coaches be amazing be more mindful, and understand how much value they can bring to the world. But in your own words, can you please explain to the world who you are, what you do, and how you help? Thank you for that. You're so you're so spot on. It's absolutely true that the work that coaches are doing, you know, it's a special group of people that are called to help other people. And it means we need resources in us and to work on those resources to be able to be with the clients that we work in ways that serve them to become who they can be. And I found over the years that the best skills to bring into that relationship or whatever skills you bring into that relationship are magnificently amplified when you are as a coach are grounded in mindful skills, mindfulness skills, relational mindfulness skills, not just your traditional sort of A lot of people, when they think of mindfulness, they think, oh, I'm just going to go sit on the pillow and be all internal. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's all good. But I'm talking about being mindful and present with others in real time in a very, very refined and skillful way. That's what I designed a course called the Mindful Coach Method to teach, to help coaches bring more capacity to be present, aware, and a thing I call coach-centered mindfulness, which is you're really aware of what's going on in you as well as with the client in a a very refined, attentive way. And then also to bring mindful somatic skills 
into your work so that you can really cut through the noise of endless storytelling and all the static that people come to, to sessions with? And how do you kind of, you know, declutter the, the mental activity that people are just running around in? It's got them so distracted from what's important in their lives that they can actually connect to what's really true and real for them. No better way to do that than mindful somatic skills in my experience. So that's, that's what the Mindful Coach Method is all about. Before we dive into like talking about how to be present and create awareness and to do that in coaches so they can do it in their clients, I wanted to talk about the aspect of having a coach or a mentor. When I was doing my cooperating teaching, I was always critiqued, I guess you can say, by a coach, by a mentor, by my cooperating teacher and other teachers too. So they would see where I'm going and I might think in my head, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a young guy, you know, I did great. I did great. Today was awesome. And then right, right. I, I nailed it. Right. And then at the end of the day, we got some work to do. And I'm thinking in my head, like, whoa, I thought I killed it. Right. But then we have that concept of we did good, but did we do the best we could? I wanted yeah. to get your experience on that, where maybe you're working with someone who has that mentality or maybe even ego, right? I'm really yeah. good at this. But then you work with them, you begin working with them, and you're like, you have so much more to give. Well, that's really, really a good point in the sense that you want to you want to bring to the relationship. I think about coaching as relationships, right? And it's not just a, a transactional experience. It's like, you know, there's a relationship here, and that relationship can be a part of the coaching. And so I think about it in terms of not so much how am I doing, but how is the client doing? You know, it's kind of letting the client determine whether or not I nailed it. And if the client is going, man, they're having breakthrough after breakthrough and they're having these deep insights. And at the end of every session, I always say, has this been valuable for you? And if their answer to that is yes, then... I can come back and go, yeah, this was this was good. This was useful for them. So my whole bar around that is not so much did I do well as does my client feel like they're they're growing. And that's my that's my gold standard. That's my witness test. And so, you know, and it's, so it's important when you're mindful as a coach to notice that you've got. So it's good that you said that because it's like that means that you're, you know, there's a part of you that's noticing, hey, I got this kind of like I'm all that kind of thing going on. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Just want to be sure it doesn't obscure your your view of what's really true. And it's just that we have so much to give and so much to learn. Because if you look about 10 years in the past, right, we might have known quite a bit. And we're like, wow, we knew a lot. But then mm -hmm. now we fast forward to the present day. Mm -hmm. Did you learn anything in those 10 years? Most likely, yeah. yes, right? You probably learned different ways <laughs> to do things. You probably learned different skills, different methods, like your method that you help other coaches with. That right there is something that we can always learn. And I would say the moment you stop learning is the moment you start dying because learning is eternal. Yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. as a teacher, just the aspect of learning whether it be from reading books, having courses, just having other wonderful mentors and guides along the way, that right there is learning, that right there is knowledge, that right there is wisdom. Absolutely. You have to be open to new ways, new insights. That's part of the, the gift that you can bring to your coaching in a way. It's kind of like, if you're not doing that in your life, how are you going to help other people do that? You know what I mean? You have to kind of embody the work that you're, you're trying to help other people do. So I'm, you know, I'm an older character and I'm always out looking at the people who are doing this work, looking for a better way to say something. Can I distill this and make it tighter and sharper and crisper 
and still maintain its potency. You know, I'm always looking for ways to refine the work that I'm doing. And I, you know, I've always, and I've always been doing that. Uh, so it's absolutely true. You can't stand back and go, oh, I got this and now I'm done. Because um, that's not really helping anybody in that case. Then we get into the aspect of being present because I am 100% a believer in you have to walk the walk and you have to talk to talk. So if you're a coach, I'm not saying your life has to be perfect, right? There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be moments of grief and traumas and tribulations in your life. And you're going to have to get through that. And sometimes you're going to have to, you know, be very emotional. Sometimes it's going to require sadness. Sometimes it's going to require maybe some anger. And then, of course, figuring out the balance, creating that homeostasis, finding out and then being present, because I always say that people don't realize they're happy until they're sad. <laughs> it's true. So it's so funny because we can focus on the negative emotions, but the positive we just allow to pass us by every single day. I wanted to get your take on the aspect of being present and then how to be more present in our days. You kind of really laid out the outline uh, right there in the sense of, We tend to let the good things go by and we don't notice what's good until we're feeling bad. Now, that's a thing. That's actually a thing I call reference for the preference. And I learned that from John Eisman, who teaches mindful somatic coaching. He used to be, I think he retired. And so one of the things you can help clients do and in your own life is understand that that's the way we work. We have this referential nervous system. And really what you're saying is if you don't notice how good things are, that means you're not awake. You're not alive. You're not being present. You're not being mindful in your life until something interjects itself into your life to make you go, oh, you know what? This feels bad. I don't like this. Now you're awake to how you feel, right? But when you walk outside and you see the beautiful sky and you see the clouds and you see the trees, if you look, if you actually use your eyes and see, you'll notice that, oh my God, this is actually pretty amazing, this nature thing or whatever it is. And so one of the very first things I teach in my coaching when I'm coaching coaches is you start to notice the things that light you up, the things that cause you to go, oh, wow, that's really cool. And we all have them. We all have something that causes us to go, that's amazing. That helps us to begin to be more conscious and present with those naturally occurring moments in our life that feel good and they're uncomplicated. There's no thought around it. Well, it could be good, but it's like this. None of that. It's just like, oh my God, look at that starry night. Look at that beautiful flower. Look at that beautiful face. What a great voice. Whatever it is, you know, animals, flowers, whatever it is, gardening, whatever it is that lights you up, you know, and really noticing And so part one is just first notice what lights you up. Part two is to hang out. When you notice it, go, oh, I'm having one of those oh well moments. Take a breath. How does that feel to me? What's going on inside me in these moments? Yeah, that feels great. I'm just going to relax into that. This is almost like savoring a delicious meal or something, right? You just let it sink in for a moment. And then you move on. You don't make it earth-shattering experience. You don't amplify it. You just let it be what it is. You can add 10, 20, 30 of those moments to your life every day. And when you do, your experience of your day gets better. And you start to carry around more of that goodness in you all the time. You bring that into your coaching sessions. And you'll notice things that light you up about your clients. And you'll start to notice when they light up. All that's just laying the foundations for doing 
a different kind of coaching work than most people are, are accustomed to, but it's fabulously powerful. And it goes right to your question about how do you be more present? And that's, it begins with noticing, paying attention, and naming what's going on for you. When I moved to Texas, because I was in Connecticut for my life, I was uh, you know born and raised in Connecticut, moved to Texas 2016. 2018, I met my, or 2017, I met my mentor. When him and I had a lunch one day, he was just asking about my career. And, I, and at the time I was doing sales and finance because I kept jumping back and forth between yeah. money making and then education and teaching. And whenever I would talk about money making, because is what I was like trying to get some money, fill up my bank account. But he noticed whenever I talked about education and teaching, he says, mm -hmm. every time you talk about it, it's like you light up. And then from there, I was like, even though I knew I had a passion, even though I knew I had a purpose, it wasn't until I had someone else make it very clear for me, this mm -hmm. is what lights you up. And that's yeah. so important because if you have an inkling of what lights you up or you know what you like, not until someone points it out to you, does it become even more powerful. And you said something amazing early on. You said redefine or refining potency. And that can just not be for words, but for actions too or the way we think. And that yeah. is so powerful, right? Redefining our potency, whether mm -hmm. it's how we see things, because yes, I was an educator. I also wanted to make money. And then mm -hmm. I was like, what, you know, I'm torn between the two, right? Do I do what I love or do mm -hmm. I try to chase the money that I know is quick? I was fortunate enough to create a business that I can do my purpose and educate and teach and make money. But in the beginning, it was a building process for me where I thought the quick road was the best road. But in reality, it was building the brand, building up the business that led me to be more mindful, being more present in my day. Just before we got on, I told you this morning, I was doing a little bit of gardening. It seems weird because I don't like cutting the grass. But like, I will garden all day long. It could be hot sun. It can be cold. Typically, you're not going to be planting plants in the cold unless it's like lavender seeds or something like that. But I was mm -hmm. like, I find so much joy in it. I paid attention to that. Making those small awareness windows where you're like, this is what is making me feel good. This is filling me up. We live in a world today that's very fast. People <laughs> look for a quick fix, right? So just how I wanted a quick fix for my money. People might go to a quick fix to fill up their batteries. So they'll go on their smartphones or things like that. Do you feel that our technology is making it more difficult to be mindful, be aware and be present? Well, yeah, that's a tricky question because it's a, I would say mostly yes, but not always so. The entire ecosystem around media, uh, whether it's social media or news media or Netflix or whatever you're watching, is really all about sharp, short impacts to our nervous system. It's about hooking the nervous system. And if you study marketing, they all talk about the hook, right? So everything out there is trying to grab your attention. So I think of it like how many ways are people trying to get you to pay attention to what they want you to pay attention to? And if you were to just list the number of advertisements and hooks and, and pitches that you had, pay attention to this. This is happening. Oh, my God. There's a disaster. There's a thing. It's the last thing. Can you believe they said that? It's like all these things trying to grab your attention. Literally thousands of those messages every single day. And that 
has a cost to our nervous systems. It's not like it's just the wind blowing. There's an impact to that on people. And we don't understand very well what that impact is, but we're beginning to see the societal impact of it. And I'm, you know, there's not strong science to show the, a correlation here, but there's beginning to emerge a picture that when people are constantly exposed to these kinds of messages that we see all the time, which are largely fairly negative, you know, then the impact at a cultural level is to cause people to kind of disconnect and lose the capacity to actually be in continuous rapport with something that's nourishing or good, because we lose our grounding about what is actually nourishing or good. Like you were saying, should I make money or should I go with this other thing? And you had a you know a mentor who said, you know, you really light up around this to help you use this reference for the preference. Do I want to, I feel bad about this, not bad, but it doesn't feel as juicy and rich, although it meets a legitimate need. But they also have another deeper need to be who I am in the world and to affect real change, right? Why is it that those things are juxtapositioned in our world? Until we fix that, we're going to have a lot of situations where people feel like they can't be true to themselves and be responsible. And that's a really, really big problem that causes us to disconnect from the fact that there's a beautiful tree outside my window blowing and we don't give ourselves these moments that can really matter to us. And so we lose this capacity. Gabriel Maté has a really great book on this called The Myth of Normal. And it's about the fact that the way we're living, everyone's living in a particular way, but that way is not normal. We're so disconnected from what's true from our actual senses that that has become normal. And so to answer your question more directly, you know, media, social media definitely encourages that. And so the antidote is to practice cure, what I call curating your experience so that you are, you give yourself time and begins with this thing I just talked about earlier about connecting to what's really true and beautiful and simple. That's a beginning of curating your experience so that you can have a different experience, one that's grounded in what's really actually true for you. We give ourselves so much to do every single day. I mean, my to-do list is never without something. Mm -hmm. But I always have to make sure just because I have a full list of things to do, it doesn't need all of my attention all the time. There's more important things. For example, I have a newborn. Now he's going to be, you know, 11 months. Yeah, you know, he's 11 months, you know, he's going to be one next month. But it's like, we have to learn that, right? We have to appreciate that moment because they grew up very quickly. This year has flown by, like just yesterday, it feels like I was in the delivery room at the hospital. And yeah. now he's like getting ready to walk and do all these wonderful things. And it's like, do I pay attention? Do I just drown myself in work? Most people are going to give themselves a responsibility. I have to take care of this child. So I'm going to go work all these hours and I'm going to miss them growing up. Maybe it could lead to regret in their life. Maybe it can lead to them having a, a pity party for themselves. Like, you know, like, woe me that I can't spend time or more time with my family. We make that conscious choice to go to work. And of course, again, you said it right, you know, it is a necessity, but is it a necessity where we have to sacrifice something so meaningful, like raising a kid, something that you're not going to get back, right? We can always make more money, but 
you know, him being one again, right? That's not going to happen again, right? Mm. Him, you know, running around and crawling and trying to break stuff that he's not supposed to be touching (laughs) as much as it is a nuisance, right? I appreciate that. And I'm aware of that too. And I wanted to get into your methods now, right? To begin to help the coaches. Do you have a step process or do you have a guideline that you typically follow when you're speaking about your methods? to promote it. And so people understand, okay, this is what I'm going to be getting when I'm partaking in your program. I do. I try (laughs) to to put that together. There is a method and it involves laying foundations. First of all, let me just say thank you so much for bringing so much consciousness and intention about being present for your, your newborn. It's like a really magnificent gift to give yourself that and be be there for them in that way. It makes a huge, huge difference. And so thank you. On behalf of humanity, thank you so much. So back to the, the method. It's like, yeah, basically it starts with focusing on the coach's side of the equation. And so I want to be sure that coaches can do the things I've been talking about, where they can connect to these rich moments. You can be the coach who did what your mentor did, said, I noticed that when you do that, you light up. And then not just leave it with that, but have people really inquire into what does it feel like for me to feel good about these things? Really, this is, I use a process I call, actually a a copyrighted process called the somatic inquiry system. It's like somatic insight cycle. And so you help people really land in what they're actually feeling and learn to give voice to that. And so you are able to say, oh, this feels this way. So I might very frequently ask an odd question to either a client and I'll help coaches learn to do this. I'll say something like, so client, the client might say, well, you know, that felt really good. And I'll ask them, how do you know it felt good? And that's a question that kind of goes sideways. And that's exactly what I want, because neurologically, I want to cause people to kind of go, what? Because whenever they, whenever you go, an unexpected question comes in, the brain kicks into a learning state that it doesn't normally do. So those very uncomfortable moments, like when you're riding a bicycle and you, you're not sure what's going on and you maybe you got it and maybe you don't, those are very high states of learning. And so I teach coaches how to kind of invoke moments like that, cause a client to go, what do you mean? How do I know? So what's it feel like to feel good? How do you notice it in your body? So it's very in the moment. A lot of my work is very much in the moment. Whenever people do that, they begin to get in touch with what's really true for them. Like, you know what? I really am tired of the way these people treat me. I am really sick and tired. And you start to get in touch with the real anger around it that they've been holding on to because they can't say it at work or whatever, or the real joy that they have around something else. Whatever is actually true starts to begin to make itself known. Then you can actually begin to work with what's really happening in someone's life. At the end of the process, people get in touch with what they're really all about. Like you mentioned gardening, you can do gardening all day, right? So that's something about you that's really foundationally connected to the experience of gardening. It really connects you up in some foundational way. And if we were doing the method with you, I'd say, so what goes on for you when you're gardening? How do you know that you can do it? And really let you, invite you to really sense into that. And then bring the you that's the gardener, that experience that as a resource into your life. Now, you're already doing this brilliantly, as far as I can tell. Bringing that more mindful, present, nurturing you that's actually grounded in your senses of the experience of the earth 
into your work and into your relationships and into your family. So this work is very much about resourcing people so that they can have those resources available to them when they're under stress. So one of the things I say is if you want to be resourceful under stress, you have to practice being resourceful when you're not. And so it's, it's really a lot along those lines. And I'm going to use my own life because I like to use me as an example so people don't feel attacked or like, oh my God, you know, like, like, like he's using a client or something like that. So I always use me as an example. So gardening, right? I mm -hmm. grew up in Connecticut, like I said. In Connecticut, we have like one growing season, right? You can start in May, around, around May, and you're going to be harvesting in July and August. My great-grandmother, she was from Puerto Rico, and she gardened in Puerto Rico. And when she moved over to the United States, she eventually got her house, and then she had a nice area where she would always garden every summer. In the beginning, it's like, oh, I have to go plant weeds yeah. or, 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 or de-weed, not plant them, de-weed mm -hmm. and plant the plants and all that stuff. And you learn an appreciation for it. And, you know, just kind of like a pastime, me looking back at the relationship, because it was a really powerful relationship for me, because yeah. I learned so yeah. much from her. She, you know, she was basically like my second mom. Yeah. And, you know, she was there. She raised us. She taught us how to be caring. And then of course, you know, the gardening aspect there. So when I do it, it's kind of like, I'm reminded of that warm feeling where mm -hmm. it's like my foundation of me growing up there with her and, mm -hmm. you know, just having that positive spirit. Because if you ever talk to her, if anyone ever talked to her, they always fell in love with her because of her energy. And she was just always there. And I remember sometimes we would go to the grocery store. This is when she was in her 80s at the time, and she was still going into the grocery stores and things like that. I was in college at the time. So her and I would go to the grocery store, get her the groceries that she needed. It was always strange for people to see us together because I'm super, super tall. And she's like five feet or something like that, or like 4'11", and I'm I'm 6'4". So okay. it's a it's a big disparity or big discrepancy in our height. So mm -hmm. they see this tall giant helping this little lady, right? Yeah. And everyone can tell, right? Like, oh, that's his grandmother. And everyone will come up to us and they would say how they're so happy that we're shopping together because they don't see it enough. And that, you know, like I was raised right and to keep doing this. I even had people who would ask me permission to hug her. And then I would, <laughs> and then I would look at her out and I would say, do you want to hug it? She's like, of course. And then so yeah. she, she was always that bundle of joy. So whenever I garden, I'm reminded of that. So not only can I be present, but then I can also reminisce of mm -hmm. the good moments in my life. And that kind of gives me even deeper purpose because there was people behind me or before me that led the way. Because I always say that you have someone who cared enough, especially if you're an adult today, who cared enough about you to take care of you. Because when you're a newborn, there's not much that you can do for yourself. Yes, you can cry and complain and you poop your diapers and stuff like that, but that diaper needs to be changed. That belly needs to be full, right? You have to make the bottles or you have to have the mom present for breastfeeding. There's just so many factors that are there that we're not aware of when we're growing up. And when you're a teenager, you don't even pay attention to it. You just think, oh, mom and dad is mom and dad, mm -hmm. but they don't see the sacrifice. 
they don't see behind the scenes. I wanted to get your some wisdom on it, right? Behind the scenes of things, right? Just how I explain my story in the past, right? There's always a story behind a person. Do you think that story can create a deeper meaning into mindfulness or can a person create a deep, deep meaning of mindfulness even without a past remembrance? Well, that's a really good question. And, you know, you've got a really, really rich experience in this, you know, this nurturing, compassionate, accepting, gracious relationship that you had. And, it, you know, it, it helped create a way for you to relate and experiences in your life. That, and there are a lot of people who have not had them, who had very contrary experiences, people who were aggressive and mean and, and making people small, people that should have been those things for people that should have been supportive and nurturing, not being that way. So, that becomes in one world, it becomes what you might call a missing experience. Like what you're, what you're talking about should be normal. You know, it, in an ideal world, everyone would have these loving, supportive relationships in their life as reference points and also as containers for us to grow and mature in, to hold us so that when we become adults, those become foundational to who we are as they have with you. And it's, and it's beautiful to behold. But a lot of people are really wounded in that way. People who are supposed to be loving to them weren't. And so they didn't get that. And so a lot of people come to coaching and therapy kind of struggling with what should have happened that didn't. How do you recreate that? So your question is really key because can you still connect to beauty, life, abundance, resourcefulness without having had that container to grow up in that? And the answer to that is yes. But it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily easy. You're going to have to, sort of like saying, can you have a happy life if you have a broken leg? You know, and it's like, this is an example I use a lot, which is like, if someone, if you say someone does something silly with a car wreck or an accident happens and you break your leg and you were a runner, you're a track star, and it breaks in a way where you're never going to be a track star again. What happens to you as a person now? Your identity and your fortune is wrapped up around I am a track star. And now that's gone. And for no, and it's unfair. It shouldn't have happened to you. And so now the question is, who are you going to be that these facts are true in your life? How do you choose to organize around the truth of this? And the truth of it is, you have a broken leg. You had you used to be a runner, and now you can't do that anymore. Now, one way you can organize is to say, well, life is unfair and I was robbed of my destiny and just people need to pay. And I'm not saying that that's unjustified, but what kind of a life is that when that's the way you move all the way through your life now because you feel ripped off and your primary experience in life is I've been robbed. I've, my life is wrecked and it's unfair. If that's your, is that the way you want to experience your life or you can look out and see the beauty of the tree. You can see the sky. You can appreciate the earth. You can live in the moment that's happening right in front of you, which isn't about what you've lost or what you've gained. It's just the moment that is right here, right now. Let yourself have that and then see what happens to all your story and what happens in my this in general, the, the story of who you are, the story of who you are tends to back off. And the bottom line is that you are not your story. You are something deeper than that so that you can be 
connected to to all the things in the magnificence of the fact that we're actually standing here breathing is such a rare, unbelievable moment in the wheel of time. You know, it can get real cosmic here, but like it's sort of like, you know, the earth is billions of years old and our little spot on it is just a spark. And we just happen to be in that spark. And we just happen to be in a situation where we have this incredible resource to be present on the planet, on this magnificently beautiful planet with each other. And we can choose how we want to experience this moment to a fair degree. The question is, what kind of moment do you want to have? And if we can be connected to the things that are going on in your world, or you can be internally referenced. And if you, and if you do that, then you're always dependent on things going well for you to be okay. And you can't control that. You never know what's going to happen. You never know, right? right. And so if you're, if you're externally referenced, if that person likes me, I'm okay. If I got that job, I'm okay. If I make a million bucks, I'm okay. If I drive the cool car, I'm okay. If I get the job, I'm okay. But if not, then I'm not okay. If you're always externally referenced, then you're always going to be at the whim of, you're kind of giving your, another way to say it is you're giving your power away. But when you're connected to something that's true and real, like your connection to the garden and to your grandmother and to, we all have something like that. It doesn't have to be that you had someone in your life who acted as a, a great resource for you, even if it's just looking at the mountains and being in touch with the majesty of that or what flows from you that wants to grow. Let that empower you and give it away because that's what the world wants from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what flows from you wants to grow is so important because most people who become coaches have learned something in their life that they want to teach other people. It's not like, okay, I'm being a life coach just to be a life coach and to make mm -hmm. money. It's like, I want to make an impact in the world. And it's so important. And it's so important that you understand that too, because now you are going to be helping those coaches that are going to be helping people get into that mindset of being more mindful, being more aware, creating a sense of abundance, regardless of what's happening or has happened in your life. Yes, we could have a bad negative moment in our life. And we might even really focus on that quite deeply too, where it's just like, my life is over. Why me? We can have the whole pity yeah. party, but it's not only that, right? It's the perception of, yes, this happened to me, but now what can I do? What can be done, right? You said some wonderful things in here, and I want people to rewatch this because it's so profound. Like our conversation, I could probably talk to you all day about this <laughs> because mindfulness is one of those things that is not something that is a quick drop, read a book and you're mindful. It takes years and years maybe of practice and of guidance. So if you're a coach and you have a good mind, I can guarantee you that there's going to be room for improvement. Heck, even I can improve. And that's why I have coaches. That's why I have mentors still with me today to guide me, to help lead me, to point out the areas where they can see some improvements. And so I can implement those improvements because no one is perfect and everyone has the opportunity for growth every single day. And every single day is a blessing to be alive and to grow. And it's so important to work that you do because you're helping coaches grow. And then from there, their clients are growing too. As our final minutes here, please share with us any last words, and then please tell the audience where they can find you. 
Sure. You know, I just, it's been great talking to you. I really enjoyed this and uh, your, you know, the work that you're doing is really great. And I just, you know, I just want to encourage whoever's listening, coaches out there, take a moment, really connect to what is it in you that wants to help other people and find a way to improve, find a way to refine your skill, to master your craft. The Mindful Coaching Journal, there's a quote that says, Mastery of coaching requires mindfulness. And so really, if you haven't actually sat down and begin to study that or practice it, start. You can really make a big difference in your life in four or five weeks of intentional practice, and it will dramatically improve your coaching. And so people can find me at a couple of ways. The Mindful Coach Method, just mindfulcoachmethod.com is my main page for the training that I do. But I also want to let people know about the mindfulcoachassociation.com where you can sign up as a coach who's aligned with mindfulness in your work and in your life. It's a free listing. Put your service out there. People can find you on Google. You can post articles, post your events completely free to the community. So go to the mindfulcoachassociation.com, list yourself there, and you'll be getting all kinds of stuff from me about events that we have for members. And it's just a really great and rapidly growing community of kindred spirits who are trying to do great things in the world. So check it out. Perfect. And I will put both of those links in the description box below so people can easily find you. They can sign up. Coaches, you can sign up to be in that association because being a part of a group like that is not only going to be about getting new clients. It's going to be about growing yourself too. Because just being in that area or being in that realm of other wonderful coaches that are working on mindfulness continually daily and have a wonderful mindset already and are mindful and aware and present, that right there is just going to rub off on you, right? We are the product of the closest people we keep around us. So keep people Mm -hmm. that are going to bring you into abundance and bring you into mindfulness, whether it be a day at a time or a program at a time. I want to thank you so much. (laughs) Exactly. I want to thank you so much, Brett Hill, for coming on Coaching in Session. Great conversation today. All right, everyone. I'd like to thank Brett Hill for coming on Coaching in Session. As you can see, he's going to be a wonderful guide, wonderful mentor for any coach listening to this, because I know I have a lot of coaches listening to the podcast, because whenever they want to come onto my podcast, it's actually a requirement that you listen to an episode unless I choose you. Because when I'm choosing you, I'm actually doing quite a bit of homework on who comes onto the podcast. Brett, same thing, right? I make sure that I'm bringing you the best quality guests I can. Sometimes episodes don't turn out the way I want them to. They don't air. Sometimes episodes don't turn out the way I don't want them to. And I air them to make a point because I want people to understand that the coach that they choose, we all have that room for improvement. And one of the last things you want to do is be so rigid One of the things we talked about here on the podcast today was refining potency, right? That's what he said, refining potency, right? Figuring out different ways to say things that are going to be impactful for the person. Just because you have done something one way and it worked for one client, it might not work for every single client going forward. We have to be flexible. And I remember when I was a teacher, you have a class of 25 students they're not all going to learn the same. Yes, they're going to be maybe an auditory, visual, kinesthetic learner, right? Besides that, what are going to be their personalities? What are going to be their current circumstances? Because maybe someone is sad because they just lost a dog or maybe they lost a mom or things like that. What do you do? How, how can you be there with them? How can you create that? And I will share a story. There was a first grader when I was a teacher 
his mom was sick and what had happened was she was fighting a battle and sadly she lost that battle. Dad was distraught and child was distraught too. He didn't know what to do. And that was right around Thanksgiving, right? Where now Thanksgiving is like, what can they be thankful for? Yeah, they can be thankful for life. But they're missing a family member. They're missing a piece of the puzzle that was there the year before. Same thing for Christmas. They're missing a piece of the puzzle. I remember that day when he came back to school and he was there, right? But he wasn't there. Like his mind was kind of like in disbelief. He wasn't crying or anything. He was so young still, right? First grade. He just couldn't fathom what just happened. Yet people were being kind to him. Eventually, as he would grow up, he would become more aware to that situation. When we were there, right, the teachers just made sure we paid more attention. Here's a little bit more love. Here's a little bit more care. As a coach, you need to understand that too. Because your clients can be going through something really, really difficult. And you might not have any experience in it, right? Maybe a loss of a loved one, of a parent, a career. Dealing with loss, tragedy, trauma, grief can be very, very difficult. And we have to be able to facilitate that, right? But we also have to be able to facilitate that in our own right as a coach. Because if we cannot create the space for them, then how can they begin to unpack what they need to unpack? Shed the baggage that's holding them down, right? Because we can be doing all of these different things in our life. We're doing this and we're doing that. And we find ourselves that we are just so busy with all of the inconsequential things. Life has so much more meaning. We have to find what that meaning is. There is a movie and a book. I, I recommend watching the movie or reading the book, depending on which one you like. It's an older movie now. It's called The Peaceful Warrior. And all while we were doing the interview, Brett and myself, I was like, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this about The Peaceful Warrior. And I, and I said, no, don't say anything about The Peaceful Warrior because I'm going to have an opportunity to say it at the end because it would have led to a different conversation. And I wanted to have the conversation with Brett and I to be exactly what it was. So if you watch the movie, if you read the book, without any reference, Brett was able to say, well, if you broke your leg, right, something happens, right? If you were a runner, you're no longer a runner. That identity is lost. What do you do about it? Do you curse the world or do you say, well, just because this is my circumstance, it doesn't mean it has to take away my happiness. So you can pay attention to it or you can try to avoid it and ignore it because it has caused some type of grief or trauma in your life. Well, in the story of Peaceful Warrior, there was a man who wanted to become a gymnast, uh, an Olympic gold medal winner gymnast. And he was in a motorcycle accident and the same thing happened. His leg broke. It shattered, actually. The doctor said that he would not be able to perform ever. Well, he had a mentor. He had a guide that said, well, if that's your dream, then why not go for it? In the whole mission of Revan Concepts, turning never around. Just because someone says you can't do something, it does not mean that you cannot do it. Just because they believe it's not possible, it doesn't mean it's not possible for you. Because the mind is a powerful tool and you have to know how to use it in every single way. Whether it be being present, being aware, being flexible, all of those things are going to help you understand well, what is this situation truly? Sometimes people think their life's falling apart, but really, is your life falling apart or is it falling into place? 
And we have this negative self-talk within ourselves like, oh, I'm a slob. Oh, I'm no good. Oh, I'll never surmount anything. I won't be better than my brother or my sister or my dad or my mom or whoever. We give ourselves that. And as a coach, you have to be able to take that thought out of your client's head and say, no, you have so much within you. And as a coach, you have to know how much you have within you too. And you have to know that you have more than what you're giving and you have more to uncover every single day, every single year. And you need someone in your corner. A coach, yes, you, a coach, you need someone in your corner too. And it's important that you find someone who's going to be there to create the potent questions, the powerful questions that are going to invoke your action. Because even when I had a great mindset when I was in my 20s, I did all the mindfulness work and I was like, okay, now I'm awakened and things like that, or at least beginning to be awakened. It wasn't until I had someone ask me a potent question saying, are you happy? And I was like, am I happy? Yeah, I'm happy, right? I got good grades, got money, I got girls. I'm like, what else is there? But then they asked the same question again, but are you happy? Then I started to ask myself, well, am I happy, right? I went into that learning process that Brett was talking about. And then I started to learn about myself even deeper. And I became more profound. What is happiness? What is the purpose of my life? And even though in my mid-20s to late 20s, I was battling, do I do this or do I do that? And I'm trying to run away from what lights me up because maybe there was some insecurity there. Maybe there was some doubt there. Maybe we run away from the things that are going to bring us the best life or the things that are most scary because they require the most amount of energy or the most awareness. And it wasn't until I embraced that challenge and I embraced that mission that I was given to make a change, to make a change not only in my life, but the world. And Brett is doing that in every single coach, helping them change so they can help change the world. He is an essential part to a coach's development. And then that coach is going to be helping so many people along the way. And we have to give ourselves the best tools and the resources that are going to be possible. And for anyone who's a coach looking to work with Brett, all his links are going to be in the description box below. For anyone who wants to learn more about Brett, check out his website. He also has a new podcast out. So I encourage you to check out that podcast and then you're going to learn how to be more mindful, whether you're a coach or you're just a wonderful listener who's listening to find more personal development in your life. Check out his podcast to begin the steps to be more mindful because we're talking about mindset here in Coaching a Session, but mindfulness is another aspect to what mindset is. Mindset is going to be the accumulation of mindfulness, but you have to understand that mindfulness is not as easy as, all right, what type of mindset would you like? We really have to do some deep introspection when it comes to being present because again, our world is so fast today and we can miss out on so many things if we're not paying attention to. When's the last time you tasted your food? When's the last time you felt something that you picked up? For example, I'm going to pick up this pen here for anyone who's just listening. They have a grip on this pen. When's the last time you touched this grip and you just felt that grip? When you were a kid, you probably did this quite often. When I was a kid, I always try to pull off the grip and I'll play with it. And then I would just have a plastic piece where it was and then that's how I had the pen. And then I just had my other hand playing with the thing until it flew across the room and then I couldn't get it because I couldn't stand up in class because I would get in trouble. When's the last time you paid attention to something like that? Where you were listening to the click clats of a keyboard or you're listening to the birds chirp and not an annoyance. Like, oh, those dang birds again are waking me up. 
When's the last time you felt the sun against your skin? When's the last time you took a deep breath outside and you felt that air within you and it was good? And your life can be good. Your life can be filled with that goodness. It's there every single day. We just have to learn how to create that awareness. Being present. It might take some time. It's going to be a practice that's going to lead to your best days. And I encourage everyone to go for those best days because those best days add up to the best life. I want to thank you all for watching this episode of Coaching in Session. My name is Michael Reardon. I'm a mindset coach. As always, if you have any questions, you can email me, coachinginsession at gmail.com, and I'll see everyone on the next episode. Until then, everyone take care.